Hello. Hello. Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Good, good. So first of all, uh, we're going to have a very interesting episode today. Uh, and our special guest is Dima Bonder, who is both an economist and tokenomist, and he is also an expert in stable coins. Yeah. So, hi, Dima. Hey, guys. Hey, hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. Welcome, so, Dima. Before we start with the main topic tonight, which is obviously stablecoins, there are two stories that I just have to mention while we're waiting for more people to join. The first one is that woman who was accidentally paid $72 million. You, you know the story, Gus? Yeah, they were meant to pay her something like $68 or something like this. Yeah, and suddenly yeah. She, she, she discovered she was paid $72 million from uh, Crypto.com, I think it was. Yeah, and like uh, Amir was mentioning earlier that she tried to to buy a house and, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to ask you. What would what would you do if you uh, accidentally got paid this amount of money? I mean, you would probably either report it or do nothing or whatever. The last thing I would think you would do is go and buy a house like instantly with the money that's obviously not yours. Yeah, this would be wow. the last. This like, especially considering like how uh, I'm in the UK at the moment, and and buying a house is a real kind of annoyance in terms of like proving your funds and this kind of stuff. So I wouldn't do that, but I probably would with my own money book a holiday somewhere nice and and go there and relax and think about what to do. <laughs> what to do is the rest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? uh, yeah, it's so funny. Oh, yeah, listen, um, yeah. we do have a, quite a lot of stuff to talk about today, so let's get started. Um, Dima, what would you like to start with? <laughs> uh, I like to start uh, to advise Gus uh, if he <laughs> if if he can't buy a real house because this is an annoying procedure. You could just buy house in metaverse uh, for just one minute. I, I I would do that, but I I have so many houses in the metaverse that I that I struggle to live in them while, while I'm in there. Okay, uh, what I what I want to start with? Uh, I don't know, guys. Maybe we could start with. Uh, with the questions about centralized stable coins, for example, just to start with something, maybe my question to you guys will be why why centralized stable coins are so popular? Why they dominate stable coin market? Why the supply is so huge, enormous? Well, it's a great question. Um, honestly, I think it's definitely not because they are censorship <laughs> and it's definitely not because um, <laughs> okay. I, think, I think it's mostly because they are convenient. Uh, and uh, by the way, I'm not sure, like there was this long story about USDT having funds to cover, not having funds to cover. I don't know. What, what's the end of it? Do they have enough funds to cover all of the USDT out there? Recently, they uh, had... Uh... 
an audit uh, by I I don't remember the name of that uh, audit company, but Italian audit company, some recognized uh, recognized audit company, and they said yeah, they have one hundred percent collateralization of their stablecoin, but not of all that funds are in uh, uh, solid cash. Some of the funds are in corporate bonds. Some, the main part, uh, are in treasuries, U.S. treasuries. So uh, they have mostly their assets, their assets in securities, and some part in cash. But yeah, the <laughs> USDT is fully backed, just like USDC uh, also is backed by cash only partially, and other part, another part is uh, in securities mostly United States treasuries. So it's basically exactly like a regular bank. Like if everyone wanted to take their USDT out, that would be a problem. Uh, um, uh, I want to say, uh, I I want to talk more about uh, USDT and Tether because I think uh, their success, uh, uh, the roots of their success lies just in first mover advantage so back back in time in 2015 and 2016 they was the only stable coin <laughs> in the space uh, so uh, this is why they uh, grew so 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 good and uh, after that uh, usdc came to to the market and that was the first uh, uh, usd backed stablecoin uh, which is fully compliant fully le- uh, legally compliant and uh, transparent so uh, this is why i i think usdc uh, is so successful and uh, it still uh, grab the more and more share of the stablecoin market. Yeah, I, I agree. So they didn't have that uh, uh, USDT FUD. Uh, and also we have, I think, BUSD is also backed by, uh, by dollars. Yes, but BUSD is a little bit another story because BUSD is just a Binance stablecoin. Binance uh, has enormous user base, so uh, this uh, was quite easy for them to spread their stablecoin, to list it on Binance (laughs) in particular. So their success uh, was caused by a huge uh, user base, I think. Yeah. You know, you know, when I think of it, it's amazing. I mean, uh, it, it like took us so much time and effort to be listed on Binance, and like whatever Binance is doing, is automatically listed on Binance. It's crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'll... yeah. But this, this this is like not the most kind of interesting part of our story because obviously, you know, it's just dollars. Uh, in that form, or and this is this is why they are so popular because people are familiar with this. Mo- this is just a PayPal on a blockchain, so everyone loves PayPal. No, not everyone, but many people loves PayPal, and this is just a PayPal on a blockchain. People, uh, are, uh, it is easy to understand what it is, and uh, it is easy to use, 
and you could uh, redeem your stablecoin with USD without any additional steps, uh, just like uh, with PayPal or a regular bank account. And um, this stablecoin is uh, fully backed by USD. So uh, there is no problems with collateral that is so volatile as Bitcoin or ETH or something like that. And this, all, all of this is uh, advantages of that uh, kind of that type. And the, I think the most, the most uh, interesting advantage of that type of stable coins is that thanks to their direct redeemability for USD, they don't need uh, complex monetary policy to maintain their pack. They work just like uh, gold banknotes uh, in 19th century. So this is this works automatically, and that's cool to be honest. <laughs> so in this case, I think we should continue to talk about kind of more crypto, crypto. I mean, decentral, really decentralized projects. Yeah. And uh, let's yeah. start with MakerDAO. <laughs> yes, we should we to be uh, we should mention uh, drawbacks of that. Uh, kind of stable coins and yes the main the main drawback of of them is uh, centralization and uh, they are not decentralized they are centralized they, uh, they are custodial solutions and they are not censorship resistant at all and of course of these uh, shortcomings uh, are mitigated or <laughs> have a solution in decentralized stable coins and you uh, I, I i don't know do you guys what decentralized stable coin do you have in mind so when i say decentralized stable coin what do you think about the, yeah. the first the first one that comes to mind is of for me at least is uh make or die may may yeah die by maker this is uh, uh, for a long time, uh, it was the only successful decentralized stablecoin. But, yeah. uh, but in fact, now uh, we can't uh, we can't consider uh, Dai as a truly decentralized stablecoin. <laughs> and and is, is the reason you mentioned true like that is less truly decentralized is the reason for this that or, or maybe i give a tiny background when maker die first launched uh you you issue like a or you open a cd collateralized debt position yeah, yeah cdp collateralized debt position so you would put your ethereum in and you would be able to mint sort of like a portion of the dollar and die uh, and you would owe that die back to the contract in order to get your Ethereum back. Since then, they've moved from this kind of system and opened it up to a wider range of uh, collateral. Yeah. yeah. So now you can open CDPs with more currencies than solely Ethereum, although there there is still... And I think I have it in one of my wallets. There is still the the single collateral die somewhere. I, I don't know. It finally went to ten dollars in the in the bull market. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the 
is the reason that you mentioned that it's less decentralized now because when they opened it up to further like uh, collateralization, some of that was with centralized assets such as USDC, and this this now makes up a large portion. Yeah. Of that. Yes. Yes. This is the most popular part of the answer. So now uh, Dai is backed. Uh, more than a half of DAI is backed by USDC. So it is just a wrapped USDC. Uh, but uh, this is just a part of uh, the answer because when we are talking about decentralized stablecoin, first of all, we should understand what this decentralization means. Uh, I think that we can divide this, this answer uh, into several parts. First of all, uh, issuance of stablecoin. Uh, is this issuance decentralized? In that case, yes. Anyone just call the uh, maker contracts and print some die. So, okay, issuance is decentralized. What about collateral? We already answered that uh, now die is... Uh, backed not only by decentralized collateral, <laughs> mostly by centralized collateral in the form of USDC. Uh, another question is uh, how stablecoin is governed. So, okay, it is not it is non-custodial because smart contracts uh, holds these collaterals and, okay, we can say that it is non-custodial, but uh, what about governance? Uh, is makers' governance so decentralized? If we will check uh, MKR distribution or participation in uh, maker uh, governance, uh, who, who vote on their proposals, uh, we can see that <laughs> there is a small group of holders and uh, in fact, uh, Maker is governed by a small group of holders, and that's it. So uh, in terms of governance, Maker is, is also not so decentralized as we expect. <laughs> yeah, and, and this I remember at least not so much recently, I, I don't recall, but I remember like a year or two years ago, there was like proposals on, on Maker and it was maybe three or four like entities that were pretty much deciding like whatever, whatever goes, goes, or whatever doesn't go, doesn't go. And, and they were kind of voting in unison with each other. And it was like Anderson, Horowitz, or however it's called, yeah. and, and, and a few of them and the, the maker guys themselves. But I... I did see more recently that like there was more uh, maybe the like centralized centralized aspect of it didn't change so much, but there were more kind of did govern votes uh, in in recent months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, okay. To their credit, it's... they they have uh, recently announced that they're trying to move off USDC. <laughs> yeah, finally. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> at least they're trying, right? So they're doing all. The but the, the problem is that they can't uh, just eliminate that USDC from their collateral portfolio because uh, issue die issuance is decentralized. So they should push uh, uh, 
their users to pull out that USDC from their contracts <laughs> and don't bring it back. I mean, there are kind of two main mechanisms to control that. One is obviously you can uh, uh, adjust collateralization ratio, but they also have this uh, very interesting savings rate mechanism. So you can kind of maybe play with these parameters to, to do that. Oh, die savings rate is uh, <laughs> another interesting <laughs> part of uh, die design uh, because they pay you just for park your die. They don't use this die uh, in any way. So this die just uh, sit on their contracts and they pay for you. This is not productive, uh, I think. And uh, regarding that, uh, I'm I. I'm uh, asking you about truly decentralized stable coin on Ethereum uh, again. Uh, do you have in mind such a coin? So <laughs> there is liquidity. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that liquidity. We we can say that liquidity is. Uh, at least more decentralized stablecoin than current version of DAI. Because if we compare liquidity with DAI, we can see that liquidity is immutable. So it doesn't have uh, any governance at all. They are contra-mutable. They don't need to have complex governance framework to maintain that stablecoin. This is so... Could you tell us a little bit about like the differences in the design of liquidity and the maker maker DAO? Sure. Um, the first one is uh, that liquidity is collateral, just like earlier version of DAI. So liquidity is backed uh, purely by ETH. So collateral is truly decentralized. Another um, uh, important thing uh, I mentioned uh, already is governance. So liquidity doesn't require any governance at all. This is an immutable uh, decentralized application. And I don't know many uh, other examples of such an immutable DAP. Uh, after that, yeah, please go on. I I was going to say, would one other example, or at least one that comes to mind, I think, uh, would it be, and, and very different to, to liquidity anyway, in terms of like application and uh, kind of background behind the application, but was Uniswap V2 also just fired off into the Ethereum network and, and not upgradable and, <laughs> and this kind of stuff. Okay, because uh, its developers just leave it uh, alone and and don't develop it. Uh, they they just switch to switch to Uniswap V3. Uh, you mean yeah. this? Okay. Just like Compound uh, version one, uh, also yeah. And yeah, but that's kind of actually this leads to an interesting question. And it's although like it's a it's an immutable contract, uh, and and I think this is beyond the scope of this call even. But an interesting question to think about: uh, Does this kind of immutability in the, for example, liquidity, 
it doesn't necessarily stop the team behind Liquidy version uh, releasing a V2 and, and this kind of thing, similar to Uniswap and Compound who have all released kind of upgrades yeah, but, and this kind of thing. Yeah, you obviously can upgrade the contract, but uh, I think in this case, most important is that there are no economic decisions like in Maker, uh, for example, adjusting the rates and stuff. So that can be kind of performed on liquidity. So this is like, yeah. it's, an, it's immutable in, in the sense that its rules, once it is deployed, never change. Yeah, exactly. And, and keep, keep yeah. operating in the same manner. Its logic will never change by a malicious or benevolent uh, governor. So yeah, this is, I think this is an advantage. It brings some risks because if uh, uh, some bug will be explored, then yeah, that would be a catastrophic event. But it works, and <laughs> I wish it works further. I think I think another important difference is how the uh, auctions are handled, like when you have uh, liquidation of the positions. Yeah, instant liquidations. Because if you uh, take a look at the uh, lending uh, dApps like Compound or Aave, you can see that uh, their liquidations are immediate. So uh, at the moment when position is uh, margin called, any liquidator could uh, uh, liquidate it, repay debt, and uh, that's it. In Maker's case, uh, they have to handle uh, complex auctions uh, and waste their time. In Liquidity's case, yeah, they use... Uh, the same uh, liquidation procedure as uh, regular lending protocols. And uh, they also invent very cool feature uh, called stability pool. Uh, returning to my uh, joke about maker uh, die savings ray. So in liquidity's case, you also can park your stable coin and receive some revenue. But your stablecoin will work as a liquidation pool. Uh, it, 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 uh, this, your stablecoins will not just uh, uh, be a useless uh, asset. So you insure protocol, you uh, work as a liquidator, as a collective liquidator via that stability pool. And you receive liquidation gains from that and some part of liquidity secondary token or QTY, that is, which is just a profit sharing token for liquidity. It sounds great. So what you would say are, you know, some uh, downsides of these designs or like, uh, what, what's the problem with those? <laughs> uh, uh, I think the, 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 main, um, the main issue with decentralized stablecoins backed by volatile crypto assets uh, is over collateralization. So people say, okay, this is not capital efficient. Uh, by the way, Liquidity says that you could print LUSD with uh, just 110% collateralization ratio. And this is why Liquidity is more capital efficient than Maker. And to be honest, they lie. Uh, at, the, at this point, because uh, <laughs> if the total collateral ratio of the system, of liquidity system, will drop below 115%, just, uh, 
just like die. Mm, the system will switch to recovery mode and no one can print LUZ with collateral re collateralization ratio uh, lesser than 150%. So this is just a marketing trick. Uh, you could print LUSD with 110% CR only if someone printed this stable coin with 200 or 300 collateralization ratio, 300%. Yeah, it's a kind of a common, common trick. Like if, if everybody does that, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think this, uh, this point over collateralization is uh, inevitable feature of decentralized stable coins backed by decentralized stable coins backed by decentralized collateral. And this is uh, the main point of critics, criticism. Uh, for them. And this is uh, where algorithmic stablecoins comes to this scene. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think this is one of the kind of uh, uh, most uh, um, loud, I would say, topics or parts of the topic in stablecoins because, uh, <clears throat> first of all, personally, I used to call all of these coins that are not backed uh, by, I used to call them algorithmic. Uh, but then when there was a problem, let's say, with Terra, I kind of started differentiating between collateralized and algorithmic. So, yeah, let, could you please explain us exactly what the difference is? Just like with the, our previous questions, I think it would be useful, uh, first of all, to define what uh, exactly <laughs> what uh, do exactly we mean by algorithmic stablecoin. So, okay, guys, so I'm, uh, I'm asking you again, when I said algorithmic stablecoin, how do you understand this uh, word, this term? Um, like, uh, no longer existing? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> good try. <laughs> but let's think about uh, I don't know uh, w w what stablecoin in existence uh, is considered as uh, algorithmic. I think maybe Frax or Fay and something like that. Frax, Frax, I find really interesting, but I. I, I feel like it's less of an algorithmic coin and more of a collateralized stable coin because they're looking at like bumping up their uh, collateralization to 100%, unless I'm mistaken. Um, my answer um, to this question, what uh, exactly algorithmic stable coin is, if it uh, means something, uh, at all, um, something special. Um, my answer is that uh, algorithmic stable coins uh, are coins fully or partially backed by their own token. Okay, uh, that makes sense. If, if we try to apply this uh, definition to different kinds of algorithmic stablecoin, I think it works. So, for example, let's take uh, Terra UST. Okay, we see that it was, it was backed, it was fully backed by its native token, by Luna, yeah? Yeah. 
If we take, for example, FRAX, we see that FRAX is partially backed by USDC and partially backed by FRAX shares. Again, by native token of FRAX application of FRAX protocol. But what if, what if we take, for example, Ample for? Yeah, <laughs> this is this is what what my butt was about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if it, uh, this algorithmic stablecoin could be uh, fully or partially can be fully or partially backed by its own native token, or don't back by anything. Just like Ampleforth. Uh, by the way, do you know that Ampleforth is was uh, initially was called Fragments? Uh, that was a fractional reserve stablecoin called Fragments. It has uh, quite more complex design, and after all, <laughs> that guys just uh, <laughs> eliminate all all this hard stuff and uh, leave only that part that we will distribute our stablecoin uh, just directly to all wallets holding our stablecoin. It's it's a really it's a really interesting like uh, experiment. I, I I don't know if that's the right word, but whatever. Uh, and I and I do remember it used to be called fragments, and also that it was created. I don't know why, but I always remember this when I'm thinking about Ample for It was initially like created or set up by the guy that uh, founded Pyro Pizzas, and I've never eaten at Pyro Pizzas, and I've never like even seen one. But I, for some reason, <laughs> I always always remember this little thing. But for those, <laughs> for okay. those that, for those that are less like familiar with Ampleforth, uh, they have a what what they call maybe a stablecoin or or something like that, uh, and the issue of the the price changes on exchanges and this kind of thing, uh, and more of the currency is issued, the price is above one dollar to try and bring it back to one dollar, but if it's below one dollar, you kind of have your stablecoin disappear from your wallet kind of thing. Is that about right? Yeah, yeah. This is uh, about such cruel uh, monetary policy. They just uh, cut off every every holder when they need to contract their supply and just uh, make up their money they, they, when they want to expand supply of their stablecoin. Yeah. yeah, but the problem with Ample Force that uh, it it can't be stablecoin because they um, uh, they just put uh, two 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 token because Ample Force is both spe speculative asset, uh, speculative and uh, stablecoin. So people are trying to speculate on Ample Force, expecting that its supply will expand. And they push its price uh, higher, and then uh, its price pump it and dump it. So uh, people use this coin as a as a regular speculative asset. And uh, in this case, this token can't be stable coin. Yeah, I think, in my opinion. So <clears throat> I I have a question. So 
we saw that there are like fiat backed stable coins and collateral backed and like algorithmic or whatever. So how would you define like the correct taxonomy of stable coins? Like how, how would you, uh, you know, categorize them? Mm. It depends on your purpose because uh, we talked about classification of stable coins in terms of their collateralization level. So we have fully collateralized, uh, partial, partially collateralized, and without any backing. Uh, we could divide all stable coins into these three categories in terms of the level of their collateralization. But we can uh, classify them uh, in other terms. For example, what kind of collateral uh, is this collateral fully decentralized or fully centralized or mixed, for example? We also can uh, classify them in terms of, um, for example, who holds that collateral? Uh, uh, is that entity equals to issuer of that stable coin? Of, uh, this is a third party or smart contract, for example. We could classify them in term, uh, by uh, their anchor. So what pack do they use? For example, stable coin packed to U US dollar or to a currency basket or to a basket of currencies and commodities or to SDR, for example, special drawing rights issued by IMF. So we could Which, we could imagine many many uh, <laughs> uh, kind of kind of brings the question: Do do we really need so many different stablecoins? Mm. <laughs> uh, this is an interesting question. I think about it for a long time. Uh, is it a room for one, or uh, this is just a competition, or some stablecoins could be? Uh, such a kind of kind of complementary goods. Uh, I think that uh, if we if we take a look at the current state, okay, we see that uh, the most of stablecoin supply is presented by uh, centralized stablecoin. But this is not uh, the only stablecoin. We have at least USDT and USDC. And if we look at them, we see that there are some differences between them. So someone prefer to use a dollar backed stable coin uh, with less regulation. Someone prefer another one with more regulation, for example. And uh, maybe you just a, a great Binance fan and you prefer BUSD, for example. Uh, more than USDT and USDC because you believe to Binance, not to Circle or Tether. Yeah, I think, I think uh, during the recent uh, Tornado Cash uh, situation, I think Tether, like USDT, they said that they're not going to uh, proactively sanction uh, their. Yeah, for example, USDC. Uh, already banned some accounts, but Tether uh, Limited said that will not ban uh, any account uh, connected with Tornado Cash until uh, law enforcement came to, uh, come to us and say, please ban this account.
This is just an example. Uh, if uh, someone maybe prefer decentralized stable coins, die mostly because of some ideological reasons or because uh, they don't want to accept uh, risks of custodial centralized stablecoin, for example. I have another question. Is there such thing as a private stablecoin? Uh, sorry, uh, could you please uh, repeat it again? No, uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. So I just I just ask if there's such a thing as a private stablecoin. Ah, oh, um, uh, do you mean uh, like privacy coins but stable? Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, this is an interesting question uh, because. Uh, pri uh, as for me, privacy and. I think it is obvious thing that privacy is an attribute of of money of cash. So from for centuries, uh, cash was a fully private uh, medium of exchange. Yeah, Do, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, uh, and I think okay, um, if uh, privacy and pri confidential transactions are an attribute of, of cash. So it is obvious to, to invent, to develop a stable coin with privacy feature because stable coins uh, aim to be just like regular money, want to be stable and why not to be and no, I, uh, you know, you're preaching to the choir here. I, I totally agree because, uh, you know, I, uh, we are all about privacy, obviously. Mm. But I wonder if there are any other examples out there that are trying to do something like that besides uh, yeah. our yeah. blockchain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I ask myself, uh, uh, do we have such a privacy stablecoins? Because I'm a stablecoin researcher and I want to know the whole market. And uh, uh, it, it was a surprise that there are mm, barely no privacy stablecoins on the market. We have, I know only one uh, privacy stable on the market. It, uh, uh, its name is Heaven. Do you know Heaven Protocol? Yeah, I, I heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. So they they print a uh, stablecoin back to USD, but they just use uh, a model similar to Terra. So they just print uh, their native uh, coin when you want to redeem your stable, and when you want to print that stable, you have to burn some of their native coin. So yeah, this model is not uh, quite uh, reasonable resistant, <laughs> uh, its resilience uh, it, uh, is questionable, uh, especially after uh, Terra collapse. And uh, be besides that example, I don't know. Ah, uh, wait, um, I know another one project, uh, it called Silk, uh, but it, it is not launched uh, as far as I know. Uh, it, uh, 
Uh, it uh, announced just as a stablecoin on secret network, but this stablecoin is also uses Terra model. They mm. also they they also want to print their collateral when you want to redeem and burn this it's their native token when you want to mint that stablecoin. So, collateral printer uh, still. Uh, still popular yeah, even the after idea, the idea is money printer is not good but collateral printer is good i don't know why so i i have uh, at least two uh, more questions uh, first of all a lot of people that i talk to sometimes confuse between uh stable coins and uh, cbdc could you explain what is the difference between these two completely different things mm. Wait, uh, if it is slow, it is not forbidden. I just wanted to finish my sure. uh, about Sorry. about the sequence. Um, so I, I, I said that uh, we don't have uh, privacy stable on the market except of heaven, which is not so good as we want by its design. And uh, the only... Mm, the only solution <laughs> that we have now is just to make your regular stable coin a little bit more more private. So uh, the first level <laughs> is to just mix your coin using something like another cash. But now it is <laughs> very dangerous. <laughs> uh, another way is to uh, bridge your stable coin. To L2 or L1 uh, chain uh, that uh, gives you more privacy. Some, some ZK L2 chain or I don't know, secret network or something like that. At stake or secret network. So you could you could bridge your stable coin to that network and use that stable coin confidentially there. But you still, uh, the stable coin is still just pseudonymous not anonymous because uh, its core smart contracts are are deployed on regular pseudonymous chain so yeah th that's it uh, regarding your previous question and um, talking about cbdc's uh, sorry, why <laughs> could you please repeat why 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 are you interested in this topic <laughs> So uh, a lot of people, like, well, some people that I talk to sometimes kind of say, wait a minute, like if you have uh, USDT, right? And uh, it's basically the same dollars only in digital form. And the uh, CBDC is also kind of digital dollars. Like what's the difference? Uh, yeah, uh, I think that uh, when, when we have uh, CBDC, so just a digital... Uh, national currency that gives you cheaper and faster transactions payments uh, compared to the current state of uh, traditional banking system in this case uh, cbdc will definitely grab uh, some part of stablecoin market so people who now uh, who are now using uh, usdt or usdc will switch to these CBDCs because of um, more uh, reliability of that uh, 
digital currencies because there is uh, you don't bear uh, counterparty risk in uh, in CBDC case because in Tether or even Circle case you uh, you have to admit that you have a counterparty risk issuer risk in terms uh, in CBDC case your counterparty is central bank and uh, <laughs> it will it will not uh, it will not bankrupt in any case. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, I think is um, potential of CBDC to to compete with stable coins. But I think uh, returning to the previous questions, to stable coin use cases, uh, if we look at uh, the most popular stable coin use case. Uh, what do you think the most popular use case of stable coins? Flight, flight to safety, basically reduce your volatility to the minimum. Mm, I think that uh, uh, the most popular case of stable coins is trading. So you, yeah, but uh, <laughs> you can trade with Ethereum, but the problem is that Ethereum price is volatile or like yeah, volatile. yeah. This is what I'm talking about. So you need uh, you need some currency to trade against uh, it, and uh, th this is why Tether was so popular initially because that was uh, US dollar on a blockchain. Everyone uh, started to trade cryptocurrencies against that uh, USD. Uh, another uh, use case of stable coins beyond trading is DeFi. So lending and borrowing and all that stuff. Um, if CBDCs will enter this space, <laughs> if CBDCs will enter DeFi space, then <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe they uh, can grab and uh, this market. But uh, as long as uh, they not enter this space. Uh, people will still use decentralized stable coins, for example, because decentralized finance, in my opinion, uh, needs uh, need uh, decentralized money uh, to be decentralized. And so, yeah, I think people will continue to use these decentralized stable coins in DeFi. And uh, yeah, well, yeah, I totally agree. Um, so when we're talking about censorship resistance, obviously uh, only decentralized projects can achieve that if, as you mentioned, if they're decentralized both in their uh, collateral and their governance and their issuance, that's for sure. Uh, and obviously when you are talking about privacy, then yeah, like you, need, uh, you need to be either on private L1 like beam or you need so by the way what you said about uh, zk rollups uh, recently there were news that uh, some exchanges i think it was ftx uh, they tried to uh, ask they they, they banned uh, some of the transactions from aztec and they asked uh, uh, whoever wanted to um, deposit funds from from this protocol to provide additional information like about uh, their transactions so, so even though uh, ZK rollups have a centralized point of entry, right? So you, you could potentially regulate that. Uh, still, like exchanges are trying to be on the safe side and you know try to mm -hmm. control what is happening uh, in, in 
even in zero knowledge. Now, it's a big problem because zero knowledge is not just for privacy, it's also a big part of the scalability solution for L2s. Mm -hmm. so it, it will be interesting to see what will, what will happen to, to that. Uh, by the way, uh, Bitcoin uh, was also treated as a medium of exchange uh, invented uh, by criminals and for criminals. Initially, it was used on dark net and uh, uh, regular people said that, oh, it is just uh, for dark side of the finance system. But now uh, public companies uh, buy it and hold it in their uh, treasuries. So... Let's see, maybe um, several years later, we will see the same change in uh, privacy coins and privacy in general, financial privacy in general uh, for crypto. Because financial privacy is a basic human right. So you don't have to be a criminal to ask for financial privacy. You just have to be. You just have to be a whale. When <laughs> exactly. No, that's that's for sure. Uh, I, I will not argue with that statement. And uh, another one important thing. I think this is the the most futuristic uh, part of uh, your question about CBDCs versus stablecoins. Is that I believe that. Uh, uh, demand for decentralized uh, stablecoin um, that is not controlled by any single entity exists uh, not only on individual and corporate level. It exists even on uh, gov government, state level. Yeah? Because if uh, the whole world holds USD, the whole world is uh, uh, <laughs> is bearing a, a risk of an issue of uh, Fed Reserve, and uh, the whole world uh, could be just uh, in in trouble because of Fed Reserve solutions. And Fed Reserve doesn't care about the whole world; it cares only about US corporations and that's oh, absolutely i totally agree with that and this is why i believe that uh, eventually uh, uh, sovereign fund the sovereign resource will be diversified by decentralized coins both volatile and stable decentralized stable coins will enter into central bank reserves so for example yeah, so it's, it's a question uh, of scale, right? It's a question of uh, amount of money that you have in the system. And once this amount starts to be uh, meaningful enough, um, then, then you can actually use it as a meaningful kind of uh, diversification strategy or hedging strategy. Mm, to, definitely. But uh, what I'm talking about that... Gold is still uh, held in uh, central bank reserves because gold is not controlled by any single entity. Mm -hmm. You can't you can't print gold just like with Bitcoin. But Bitcoin is digital gold, yes. But uh, Bitcoin uh, and this is why uh, Bitcoin is really cool and this it, it, it is a 
next step of monetary evolution, but the next step is to have uh, Bitcoin with more predictable price. And this is where uh, decentralized stablecoins step in. And, th uh, and this is why uh, I think that decentralized stablecoins could be part of uh, corporate reserves and uh, sovereign funds. I agree. So thank you very much for all that. We're uh, reaching our one hour mark. Um, if anyone has any questions, I think now is a good time to ask them. And uh, yeah, thank you very much, Dima. I think it was a great, great exploration to stable coins, very clear. Thank you, guys. I hope so. Amazing Absolutely. Stuff. Thank you, Dima. If, if no one from the audience has a question, I have uh, a question. <laughs> but, uh, but I fear that my question's answer may be too long. Uh, but I fire, fire it out anyway, and, and maybe we don't need to answer it on the space, and it's, it's something to take home. And I will go, yeah, and, and took it as my homework. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We will invite you back next week to, to give the answer. Uh, my question kind of relates to what you just mentioned about, like, faith in the Federal Reserve with the U.S. dollar either backed or U.S. dollar pegged stable coins and this kind of thing. Uh, and my question is kind of, I don't even know if this is a question, but do you expect like the stablecoin space to expand beyond the US dollar? And I guess the the further question is, do you expect an on-chain decentralized kind of version of the Forex market to kind of take place on-chain and, and throughout crypto? And the reason that I ask this is that uh, for those later, the forex market is, at least to my understanding, one of the like highest volume uh, of trade kind of financial markets in the world, and, and does trillions of dollars traded kind of stuff. And also with more uncertain times globally, which we've been seeing a lot in the past few years, and well, past thousands of years. Uh, and I, and I, so I guess that's the question. Do you expect that we the stablecoin space will branch beyond uh, the US dollar, which we've seen a little of? And following up on that, do you expect like a big forex market to kind of uh, emerge on chat? <clears throat> uh, I can answer the first question, I think. Um... There was already several uh, projects, uh, stablecoin projects, that their stablecoin to uh, a different asset, not to United States dollar. Um, you, in this case, we we uh, again back to the stablecoin use case question. So, if you want a coin to trade against uh, cryptocurrencies you want to use uh, a measure of value and medium of exchange that is globally accepted and uh, is glo globally known. So now you know, USD is a national global currency, it's a world currency. So everyone uh, accounts in this 
currency everyone pays in this currency international so you need a stable contact to usd this is not a bad solution this is just uh, what you need if you want uh, for example store of value and you understand that the united states dollar is not uh, the best store of value in the world and <laughs> every trader knows it and in times of market tur turmoil everyone just fly to gold because gold is a uh, uh, hedge in that case so then you need a stable coin pack to gold and you just hold it because you need some store of value independent of any for example and so on uh, so yeah i i think that this it depends on your use case on your needs absolutely and, and i think like as crypto grows and the amount of users and the amount of funds that are within the system grow then these kind of whether it's gold stable coins or whatever it is these kind of products will will grow and and create more kind of usage and uses with them yeah yeah regarding uh, your second question uh, i'm i'm not a trader and uh, i can't uh, answer it uh, meaningfully but uh, uh Profit drives all all the things. If uh, corporations will see that it gives them more profits, they will do it. And only in this case. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, especially, especially like throwing back to the earlier conversation about CBDCs and this kind of stuff. If there's if there's profit for banks, whether it's central banks or like commercial banks or government yeah. or whatever they, they will, are not they, will... <laughs> they are not uh, ideological guys they will not <laughs> use bitcoin just because it, it is decentralized and because it is the uh, digital gold they will use it only if uh, it uh, promises uh, more profits for them absolutely we will wrap up there and, and once again thank you Shdema for joining us and, and sharing your insights as to the stablecoin space and, and all that it entails which is a huge kind of uh, topic to discuss yeah huge huge topic and we didn't even touch many many questions many many interesting that uh, big topic so yeah thank you guys uh, uh, it was my pleasure to join you thanks thanks a lot thank you so much yeah have a great evening day or whatever you're having and uh, we'll see you next week same time absolutely same see you next week thank you for thanks. joining us cheers bye-bye